Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Headphones on, it's just me and the world that I see in the thump and the beat. Every day goes on, every week from the tongue to the cheek, I'ma roll with the freak. Come out for the night, keep pace with the moon. Tied to the beach, house to the streets, trim life pays bills, cut grass with my cleats. Beast mode till I reach end zone, celebrate eyes closed while I think, just think that this life is a peach, then slice on top of a cake so it's sweet. Each bite is uniquely vibrant, alive on the edge of your seat. Wait, yo, he's nice with his feet when he dips in the well, but mine runs deep. So, and if the well runs dry, then I die in the earth where I stand. It's the dirt that I lie in. Yo, but it never really does, cause the brainstorm comes like an alcoholic buzz. Who got the jalapeno verses? Water from my well, cause the mouth down surface. Ice cold when I'm nervous, spoke real clear. Get me, you heard it. And if the well runs dry, then I die in the earth where I stand. It's the dirt that I lie in. Yeah, but it never really does, cause the brainstorm comes like an alcoholic buzz. Who got the jalapeno verse? Water from my well, cause the mouth sounds certain. Ice cold when I'm nervous, smoke real clear. Get me, you heard There's a thing called purpose, and I know what mine is. A message in the bottle, rope deep inside it. I represent myself, no need to hide it. I'm gliding, mixing my tone up with my diamond. Obviously rhyming and chanting Spanglish Double double up what I've learned to manage I never cover up with a simple bandage I fix what's wrong if my soul is damaged So bang this, hanging out the window high We tribe homie, that's the OG block I've been here, let the record show who's hot Well-connected network, network lock Roots lay deep so we grow big crops We know what we love so the beat won't stop In tune with the truth where there's water in the well And the buds swell and the song sells, why not? If the well runs dry, then I die in the earth where I stand. It's the dirt that I lie in. Yeah, but it never really does, cause the brainstorm comes like an alcoholic buzz. Who got the jalapeno verses? Water from my well, cause the mouth sounds certain. Ice cold when I'm nervous, spoke real clear. Get me, you heard it. And if the well runs dry, then I die in the earth where I stand. It's the dirt that I lie in. Yeah, but it never really does, cause the brainstorm comes like an alcoholic buzz. Who got the jalapeno version? Water from my well, cause the mouth sounds certain. Ice cold when I'm nervous, smoke real clear. Get me, you heard it. And good evening, ladies and gentlemen, mesdames and messieurs. It is Sunday, the 16th day of August in the year 2020, and you're now listening to Playtime with Sandra Radio. I'm your hostess, Sandra London of livinggrind.com, broadcasting for you live from 
the heat waves and sunny beaches of Southern California. Playtime with Sandra Radio is available for your listening pleasure via Blog Talk Radio, TuneIn Radio, iTunes, Digital Podcast, and here on Music and LivingGrind.com. The call-in number is 858-815-2333. Once again, 858-815-2333. The song you heard at the top of the hour is called Mind Run Deep by Marv Ellis and the Polish Ambassador. Up next, I will be playing Matching Set of Bones by Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Enjoy.
I am Johnny's pet. Petra chuckles as Roman grips her hand tightly to keep up. Johnny is jar. Party of two and a half. Johnny intimates with reserved discretion as a temporary chattel claim assignment. Where do we tell? Roman begins. Don't you worry. Petra rubs Roman's knee gingerly. Johnny's got everything under control. Petra is suddenly overwhelmed. Petra lays her head atop Roman's khakis, creating a very hard and humid situation. Three, two, one. Johnny has arrived. Uh, uh, Roman stutters. Roman is a bit of a mess. A stowaway ejects smoothly from the door, proffering an assortment of complimentary tissue. Roman flusters about, moderately embarrassed. He looks to the east of himself. Wow, how did it know where I live? Roman continues to peer out of the window. Did you leave your light on? We can read, you know, Petra cautions gently. Oh, Roman sighs. Um... Thanks, Roman bellows uncomfortably into the voice box which separates the chattel from the operator. Much obliged, Johnny affirms solemnly. Mm. Now, where were we? Petra purrs distractedly, prodding her new favorite thing. 322 Kings Court, Utopia, Swordston Bridge, recalls Johnny. Petra rolls her semi-permanent autumn green eyes. Johnny is at a full stop. Roman is released upon exit. Petra's dismount, however, is delayed. She pauses a moment, but all are silent. Ugh! Johnny! Petra squeals for precisely 20 seconds. Let me go! Roman looks on in suspended disbelief. You, my pet, have not arrived at your... Petra interjects, fucking bullshit, Johnny! Petra gathers Roman's coat and lifts it up from her lap towards the auto lights. Throwing it over her nipple-length chocolatey mane, she slips her hands into Roman's sleeves. You have changed, Johnny reports. Johnny is ajar. Standing momentarily akimbo on the sidewalk, Roman and Petra soon advance onwards towards Roman's high-rise. Looking back, Petra tugs her left boob ever so slightly while pointedly winking her right eye. I will put you in my pocket. We are friends with an asterisk All because of a
Jack Kerouac, recorded by Sandra London, June 17th, 2015. Part 1. I first met Dean not long after my wife and I split up. I had just gotten over a serious illness that I won't bother to talk about, except that it had something to do with the miserably weary split up and my feelings that everything was dead. With the coming of Dean Moriarty began the part of my life you could call my life on the road. Before that, I'd often dreamed of going west to see the country, always vaguely planning and never taking off. Dean is the perfect guy for the road because he actually was born on the road when his parents were passing through Salt Lake City in 1926 in a jalopy on their way to Los Angeles. First reports of him came to me through Chad King, who'd shown me a few letters from him written in a New Mexico reform school. I was tremendously interested in the letters because they so naively and sweetly asked Chad to teach him all about Nietzsche and all the wonderful intellectual things that Chad knew. At one point, Carlo and I talked about the letters and wondered if we would ever meet the strange Dean Moriarty. This is all far back when Dean was not the way he is today, 
when he was a young jail kid shrouded in mystery. The news came that Dean was out of reform school and was coming to New York for the first time. Also, there was talk that he had just married a girl called Mary Lou. One day, I was hanging around the campus, and Chad and Tim Gray told me Dean was staying in a cold water pad in East Harlem, the Spanish Harlem. Dean had arrived the night before, the first time in New York, with this beautiful little sharp chick, Mary Lou. They got off the Greyhound bus at 50th Street and cut around the corner looking for a place to eat and went right in Hector's. And since then, Hector's Cafeteria has always been a big symbol of New York for Dean. They spent money on beautiful, big glazed cakes and cream puffs. All this time, Dean was telling Mary Lou things like this. Now, darling, here we're in New York. And although I haven't quite told you everything that I was thinking about when we crossed Missouri, and especially at the point when we passed the Boonville Reformatory, which reminded me of my jail problem, it is absolutely necessary now to postpone all those leftover things concerning our personal love things, and at once began thinking of specific work-life plans, and so on in the way that he had in those early days. I went to the cold water flat with the boys, and Dean came to the door in his shorts. Mary Lou was jumping off the couch. Dean had dispatched the occupant of the apartment to the kitchen, probably to make coffee, while he proceeded with his love problems. For him, for to him, sex was the one and only wholly and important thing in life, although he had to sweat and curse to make a living and so on. You saw that in the way he stood, bobbing his head, always looking down, nodding like a young boxer to instructions to make you think he was listening to every word, throwing in a thousand yeses and that's right. My first impression of Dean was of a young Gene Autry, trim, thin-hipped, blue-eyed, with a real Oklahoma accent, a sideburned hero of the snowy west. In fact, he'd just been working on a ranch, Ed Walls, in Colorado, before marrying Mary Lou and coming east. Mary Lou was a pretty blonde with immense ringlets of hair, like a sea of golden tresses. She sat there on the edge of the couch with her hands hanging in her, her lap and her smoky blue country eyes fixed in a wide stare because she was in an evil gray New York pad that she'd heard about back west and waiting like a long-bodied, emaciated, Modigliani surrealist woman in a serious room. But outside of being a sweet little girl, she was awfully dumb and capable of doing horrible things. That night, we all drank beer and pulled wrists and talked till dawn, and in the morning, while we sat around dumbly smoking butts from ashtrays in the gray light of gloomy day, Dean got up nervously, paced around, thinking, and decided the thing to do was to have Mary Lou make breakfast and sweep the floor. In other words, we've got to get on the on the ball, darling, what I'm saying. Otherwise, it'll be fluctuating and lack true knowledge or crystallization of our plans. Then I went away. <clears throat> During the following week, he confided in Chad King that he absolutely had to learn how to write from him. Chad said I was a writer and he could come to me for advice. Meanwhile, Dean had gotten a job in a parking lot, had a fight with Mary Lou in their Hoboken apartment, God knows why they were there. And she was so mad and so down deep vindictive that she reported to the police some false trumped up hysterical crazy charge and Dean had to land from Hoboken. So he had no place to live. He came right out to Patterson, New Jersey, where I was living with my aunt. And one night while I was studying there was a knock on the door. And there was Dean bowing, shuffling obsequiously in the dark of the hall and saying, Hello. You remember me, Dean Moriarty? I've come to ask you to show me how to write. And where's Mary Lou, I asked. And Dean said she'd apparently hoard a few dollars together and gone back to Denver. The whore. So we went out to have a few beers because we couldn't talk like we wanted to talk in front of my aunt, who sat in the living room reading her paper. She took one look at Dean and decided that he was a madman. In the bar, I told Dean... Oh, man, I know very well you didn't come to me only to want to become a writer. And after all, what do I really know about it except you've got to stick to it with the energy of a Benny addict? And he said, yes, of course, I know exactly what you mean. And in fact, all those problems have occurred to me. But the thing that I want is a realization of those factors. That's one 
to depend on Schopenhauer's dichotomy for any inwardly realized, and so on in that way. Things I understood not a bit, and he himself didn't. In those days, he really didn't know what he was talking about. That is to say, he was a young jail kid, all hung up on the wonderful possibilities of becoming a real intellectual, and liked to talk in the tone and using the words, but in a jumbled way that he had heard from real intellectuals. Although, mind you, he wasn't so naive as that in all other things. And it took him just a few months with Carlo Marx to become completely in there with all the terms and jargon. Nonetheless, we understood each other on other levels of madness. And I agreed that he could stay at my house till he found a job. And furthermore, we agreed to go out west some time. That was the winter of 1947. One night, when Dean ate supper at my house, he already had the parking lot job in New York. He leaned over my shoulders as I typed rapidly away and said, Come on, man. Those girls won't wait. Make it fast. I said, Hold on just a minute. I'll be right with you as soon as I finish this chapter. And it was one of the best chapters in the book. Then I dressed and off we flew to New York to meet some girls. As we rode in the bus, in this weird phosphorescent void of the Lincoln Tunnel, we leaned on each other with fingers waving and yelled and talked excitedly as I was beginning to get the bug, like Dean. He was simply a youth tremendously excited with life, and though he was a con man, he was only conning because he wanted so much to live and to get involved with people who would otherwise pay no attention to him. He was conning me, and I knew it, for room and board, and how to write, etc. And he knew, I knew, this has been the basis of our relationship, but I didn't care about how we got along, or I didn't care, and we got along fine. No pestering, no catering. We tiptoed around each other like heartbreaking new friends. I began to learn from him as much as he probably learned from me. As far as my work was concerned, he said, Go ahead. Everything you do is great. He watched over my shoulder as I wrote stories, yelling, Yes, that's right. Wow. Man. And whew. And wiped his face with his handkerchief. Man, wow. There's so many things to do. So many things to write. How to even begin to get it all down, and without modified restraints and all hung up on like literary inhibitions and grammatical fears. <laughs> That's right, man. Now you're talking. And a kind of holy lightning I saw flashing from his excitement and his visions, which he described so torrentially that people on buses looked around to see the overexcited night. In the West, he'd spent a third of his time in the pool hall, a third in jail, and a third in the public library. They'd see him rushing eagerly down the winter streets, bareheaded, carrying books to the pool hall, or climbing trees to get into the attics of buddies where he spent days reading or hiding from the law. We went to New York. I forget what the situation was. Two colored girls. There were no girls there. They were supposed to meet him in a diner and didn't show up. We went to his parking lot where he had a few things to do, change his clothes in the shack and back, and spruce up a bit in front of a cracked mirror and so on and then we took off. And that was the night Dean met Carlo Marx. A tremendous thing happened when Dean met Carlo Marx. Two keen minds that they are, they took to each other at the drop of a hat. Two piercing eyes glanced into two piercing eyes, the holy con man with the shiny mind and the sorrowful poetic con man with the dark mind that is Carlo Marx. From that moment on, I saw very little of Dean, and I was a little sorry, too. Their energies met head on. I was a lout compared. I couldn't keep up with them. The whole mad swirl of everything that was to come began then. It would mix up all my friends and all I had left of my family and a big dust cloud over the American night. Carlo told him of Old Bully, Elmer Hassel, Jane, Lee in Texas growing weed, Hassel on Rikers Island, Jane wandering on Times Square in a Benzedrine hallucination with her baby girl in her arms and ending up in Bellevue. And Dean told Carlo of unknown people in the West, like Tommy Shark, the club-footed pool hall rotation shark and card player and queer saint. He told him of Roy Johnson, Big Ed Dunkel, his boyhood buddies, his street buddies, his innumerable girls and sex parties and pornographic pictures, his heroes, heroines, adventures. They rushed down the street together, digging everything in the early way they had, which later became so much sadder, perceptive, and blank. But then they danced down the streets like dingledodies, and I shambled after, as I've been doing all my life after people who interest me. 
because the only people for me are the mad ones, the ones who are mad to live, mad to talk, mad to be saved, desirous of everything at the same time, the ones who never yawn or say a commonplace thing, but burn, 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 like fabulous yellow Roman candles exploding like spiders across the stars. And then in the middle, you see the blue center light pop, and everybody goes, aww. What if they call such young people in ghost, in ghost Germany? Wanting dearly to learn how to write like Carlo, the first thing you know, Dean was attacking him with a great amorous soul such as only a con man can have. Now, Carlo, let me speak. Here's what I'm saying. I didn't see them for about two weeks, during which time they cemented their relationship to fiendish all-day, all-night talk proportions. And then came spring, the great time of traveling, and everybody in the scattered gang was getting ready to take one trip or another. I was busily at work on my novel, and when I came to the halfway mark, after a trip down south with my aunt to visit my brother Rocco, I got ready to travel west for the very first time. Dean had already left. Carlo and I saw him off at 34th Street Greyhound Station. Upstairs, they had a place where you could make pictures for a quarter. Carlo took off his glasses and looked sinister. Dean made a profile shot and looked coyly around. I took a straight picture that made me look like a 30-year-old Italian who'd kill anybody who said anything against his mother. This picture, Carlo and Dean neatly cut down the middle with a razor and saved a half each in their wallets. Dean was wearing a real Western business suit for his big trip back to Denver. He'd finished his first fling in New York. I say fling, but he only worked like a dog in parking lots, the most fantastic parking lot attendant in the world. He can back a car 40 miles an hour into a tight squeeze and stop at the wall, jump out, race among fenders, leap into another car, circle at 50 miles an hour in a narrow space, back swiftly into a tight spot, hump, snap the car with the emergency so that you see it bounce as he flies out, then clear to the ticket shack, spring like a track star, hand a ticket, leap into a newly arrived car before the owner's half out, leap literally under him as he steps out, start the car with the door flapping, and roar off to the next available spot, arc, pop in, brake, out, run. Working like that without pause, eight hours a night, evening rush hours and after theater rush hours, in greasy wino pants with a frayed fur-lined jacket and beat shoes, that flat. Now he'd bought a new suit to go back in. Blue with pencil stripes, vest and all, $11 on 3rd Avenue, with a watch and watch chain and a portable typewriter with which he was going to start writing in a Denver rooming house as soon as he got a job there. We had a farewell meal of Franks and Beans, and a 7th Avenue Rikers, and then Dean got on the bus that said Chicago and roared off into the night. There went our Wrangler. I promised myself to go the same way when spring really bloomed and opened up the land. And this was really the way that my whole road experience began, and the things that were to come are too fantastic not to tell. Yes, and it wasn't only because I was a writer and needed new experiences that I wanted to know Dean more and because my life hanging around the campus had reached the completion of its cycle and was stultified, but because somehow, in spite of our difference in character, he reminded me of some long-lost brother. The sight of his suffering, bony face with the long sideburns and a straining, muscular, sweating neck made me remember my boyhood and those dye dumps and swim holes and riversides of Peterson and the Passaic. His dirty work clothes clung to him so gracefully as though he couldn't buy a better fit from a custom tailor, but only earn it from the natural tailor of natural joy, as Dean had, and his dresses. And in his excited way of speaking, I heard again the voices of old companions and brothers under the bridge, among the motorcycles, along the wash line neighborhood, and drowsy doorsteps of afternoon, where boys played guitar, guitars while their older brothers worked in the mills. All my other current friends were intellectuals, Chad, the Nietzschean anthropologist, Carlo Marx in his nutty, surrealist, low-voice, serious, staring talk, old Bull Lee in his critical, anti-everything drawl, or else they were slinking criminals like Elmer Hassel with that hit sneer, Jane Lee, the same sprawled on the oriental cover of her couch, sniffing at the New Yorker. But Dean's intelligence was every bit as formal and shining and complete without the tedious intellectualness and his criminality was not something that sulked and sneered. It was a wild, yes yeah, saying overburst of American joy, 
it was western, the west wind, an ode from the plains, something new, long prophesied, long a coming. He only stole cars for joy rides. Besides, all my New York friends were in the negative, nightmare position of putting down society and giving their tired, bookish, or political, or psychoanalytical reasons. But Dean just raced in society, eager for bread and love. He didn't care one way or the other. So long as I can get that little gal with that little something down there between her legs, boy. And so long as we can eat, son, you hear me? I'm hungry. I'm starving. Let's eat right now. And off we'd rush to eat. Or as, as said, sayeth Ecclesiastes, it is your portion under the sun. A western kinsman of the sun, Dean. Although my aunt warned me that he would get me in trouble, I could hear a new call and see a new horizon and believe it at my young age. And a little bit of trouble, or even Dean's eventual rejection of me as a buddy, putting me down, as he would later, on starving sidewalks and sick beds. What did it matter? I was a young writer, and I wanted to take off. Somewhere along the line, I knew there'd be girls, visions, everything. Somewhere along the line, the pearl would be handed to me.
Playtime with Sandra Radio, and I'm your host, Sandra London of LivingGrind.com. You just heard, where were we? Ah. Ah, ah, ah. On the Road by Jack Kerouac, uh, read aloud by your truly, Sandra London of Living Grind, um, Ocosares Aves by Rotta, and Odisea Ubis by Impex. Uh, next, I was going to go ahead and do a live reading. I want to get somewhere a little bit quieter. Uh, and then I will start. We'll see how long it takes. I haven't read this story aloud in quite some time, so bear with me. Okay. The heart-shaped box. Welcome to Eden. Welcome to Eden, or Eden's den, rather. Here, you're sure to find something quite heavenly indeed, so long as pussy is in flavor. Pardonnez-moi, monsieur. Where are my manners? Entrez-vous chez Eden's den, or hidden secluded, decidedly illicit, members-only lap-sitting club, tucked away in this industrial lot in Detente City's most notoriously colorful hotspot. My handcrafted selection of painfully exquisite painted ladies have no need for your pleasantry. My girls know what you're here for, mon amour. Around these parts, we prefer to cut to the chase. Who needs small talk? Anyway, were you really going to invite an angel to your latest board meeting, Mr. CFO, of is it truly an evening of fine dining for which you wish to buy out our beloved cookie, the Den's third-in-line mademoiselle at your cookie-cutter country club? Bien sûr, I agree. I surely must have misheard. Perhaps you're unaware, but the charmingly cavalier nature of this particular breed of Eve you'll find here is exactly what has kept the Den in business after all these years. May I be frank? I am more than happy to assure you that we are veritably untouched as local livestock. Pigs, shall we say? We are, however, frequented by those of the floating world, the most highly esteemed, the almighty whales, naturally. And besides, who would ever want to ruin a sure thing? I am the madam in training of this establishment, monsieur. I send only the crème de bitch and the horny, hungry, perpetually hired, ever so eager members of the card-carrying league of the state. Alas, why do you seem so suddenly surprised? The truth does not hurt. In fact, it feels really, really good, sugar. As a matter of fact, the truth likes to whisper. She loves to shout. For a small, precious fee, the truth can gag upon your silver spoon, devouring your pearly white goodness. 
or allow it to stream slowly all over your cocktail napkin and two or three minutes flat if you're the impatient type and most pigs are. Ah, greed. She rules this town, but she does not rule the den. No. That title belongs to the filthiest, kinkiest, most low-down damsel of them all, our most heavenly duchess, and breathtakingly beautiful bombshell, the greatest mindfucker of all time, the dearest white witch in the history of our city of détente, Lady Porcelain. Nay, Tessa de la Couve, our shining angel has risen rather quickly to our top rank due to her inherent powers of seduction and eroticism. Her porcelain likes it hard down here on the pleasure strip. She has an endless appetite for men, their money, and the driving animalistic force beneath their fine linen trousers. I must caution you to be prudent, my love. Lady Porcelain will mindfuck your pocket, your penis, and your belief in your own shadow, relentlessly, until you've gone soft, limp, or empty. Porcelain detests broken men. Nevertheless, her tantalizing cunt has the power to fondle your pockets until it is made abundantly clear to you and everybody else that you're inconsequential. She will have stopped caring. You'll cease to exist in her world, in our world. Nothing. A blip. A waste of space. Still, she will continue to smile, peer at you innocently beneath her luscious mink and impossibly long lashes, purse her Chanel lipstick-laden lips, Flash her sphinx-like grin, carefully concealing the genesis of her spoiled, rotten nature. Part her supple, shapely thighs in your direction. Thrust her prize one tits towards your lonely heart. Massage your neck with her perfectly manicured nail. Toss her voluminous blonde tresses about. Poison the air you breathe with a sweet scent of jasmine and lavender tea. Lower her sensually seductive lids, shielding her enticingly doe-like sea-green eyes. Extend her long, lean legs petulantly, showcasing her dainty feet, gowned in black. Her trademark bitch, Alexander McQueen's stilettos, are her calling card. The men who worship her have paid dearly with their own. Sir, simply to arrange a proper introduction, it requires considerably more of your salary than any gift you've ever procured for any other temporary soulmate, or even your wife, for that matter. I am afraid our lady may find you pathetic earnestly awaiting a pity fuck. Ah, uh, I see. You are indeed still waiting to take it. Oh, yes. I am certain that Porcelain is aware of this. That is exactly why she smiles. That is precisely why she giggles ever so coquettishly at your jokes. Did she really lead you to believe you were funny? Damn. She was good. And that is why she is here. Porcelain is our lady in wait. Our, our little diamond devil doll who knows full well that you are quite capable of waiting a very long time. She appears so serene, pleasing to the eyes and ears, naive, indifferent. I know better. When our duchess decides to strike, you will have never seen it coming. Dang, that little Luciferina knows you like the Lord's Prayer. Beware, this is paradise after all. Welcome to Eden. That is the end of part one of the heart-shaped box, Welcome to Eden, written by yours truly in April of 2011. Let me get you another song. Got to race back to the other room. Get you another song momentarily. And the call-in number is 858-815-2333. Once again, 858-815-2333. And I will put, um, let's see. Ode to Her Bitch Face by Elephant Funeral. I'll play that. Sounds good. Enjoy. I hope my next will be a poet. That she bad his fight and she know it. He said we just get a little closer. Blowing tree and sipping some mimosas. Yeah. And I hope she mad chill. That she's smart as fuck and always keep it real That her whole life she done been still With some piece of love that this world needs to heal 
yeah, and it's a no to her bitch face, cause this girl doesn't really fuck with shame, cause she too busy winning this game, by a landslide, and I can't lie, she the type, the type to die living, cause she know, she know that it's more than just existing, him's a Davis type chick with the hair out, all the fuck boys in the back getting scared now, but I'm just mesmerized by the starlight in her eyes, and I wonder if we can find a ray or two to occupy together, and King, who be reigning forever, but that's just for another day. Right now, I just love the way she moves. Someone might have to resuscitate me, cause I'm floored by how she operates. Goddamn, she make it mighty hard to concentrate. I hope that's still be a poet. That she bad as fuck, and she know it. He say we just get a little closer. Blowing tree and sipping some of my sons, yeah. And I hope she met chill. That she's part of fucking, always keep it real. I just want to speak with her, real shit, I just want to dream with her, uh-huh, of course I want to sleep with her, but tell the truth, we probably won't sleep that much, cause sex with her, is bound to cut the power off, find the candles and I check the fuse box, cause the circuit bound to trip, the second that we kiss, she be grabbing on my dick and I be rubbing on her tits, and this is more than sex, it's naked poetry, love made the way it's supposed to be, at least I hope it is, something to mend the brokenness, pleasure and connection really be the only focus. Washing away heavy fear and insecurity That either one of us ever has been burdened with And phase before the love we make, we're so immersed in it That we hardly know what the age or change far as the curse is I hope my next will be a poet That she bad as fuck and she know it He say we just get a little closer Blowing trees and sipping some mimosas, yeah And I hope she mad chill That she smart as fuck and always keep it real
I'll put you up along my smile, bring you back down under a while, fill you with life with the wisp of death, till we're both running clear out of breath, till we expire on sins and sighs with dreams and fears upon our thighs. We'll bury deep here, counting sheep to rise and shine in our daily grind. Hello, all you sexy Naked Girls radio listeners. Have yourself a naked day and make it a naughty night with me, Sandra London, on Playtime with Sandra every Sunday night, 8 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 10 p.m. Central, 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Yeah, yeah, Swiffer, I ain't going nowhere, nigga. I've been plotting, scheming, late nights, daydreaming. Yeah, uh, I see perfectionists, Mr. D. Not complicated, I like life, it's like a symphony. Beautiful music, keep no company if it's misery. Look, no bullshit, and that's your missus, we got history. But man, that's history. It's dirty, but I'm clean. I smoke, nigga. I got my lawyer working on some things. She can lose her mind, but she gotta keep her knees. She hit that gas that brought her up to speed. And now we on the same level. I like a bad bitch, might just get your ass in trouble. I turn savage, I get it straight up off the hustle. You know it, I got it going. I heard you talking, now you gotta show it. I'ma do you like I own it. Give it to me like it's mine. You're looking like. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.